Ezekiel chapter 23 tonight, Sunday nights through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. If you're with us tonight and you don't have a Bible, there are guys coming up the aisles right now with Bibles. Just wave to them and they'll put one in your hand so you can follow along and not only hearing the Word, but uh, reading it with your own eyes uh, as well. As we come to chapter uh, 23 here, uh, the Lord uh, continues to expose what is a uh, astonishingly long uh, history of uh, spiritual adultery on the part of uh, Judah and Jerusalem toward him, and, uh, and, and he also will address the northern kingdom of Israel as well. In chapter 16, when we looked at that, the Lord went through and He emphasized uh, Israel's spiritual adultery as it was kind of uh, expressed in all of the very broad, wide variety of sins that they were uh, engaged in. And chapter 23 focuses on her uh, spiritual adultery in the form of political alliances that both uh, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah attempted to make, first with Assyria and then with Babylon, all in an attempt to escape uh, repenting of their sin, turning to God, making Him, allowing Him to be the deliverer of them uh, that He longed to be, but they were not willing to uh, obey Him in, in that way. They kind of wanted it both ways. They didn't want to uh, how, it's like the old saying, you know, the person that's the most miserable person in the world is the, is the Christian who has one foot in the world and one foot uh, in the things of the Lord. And they're just caught, uh, they can't go full bore for either side, and it's an awful place to be. And the, the tragedy is that they think they have found some kind of middle ground where they've wedded both the world and the Lord, and both the world and the Lord is happy with this kind of compromise that they have uh, accomplished. And they don't realize until it's far too late that neither side was pleased with what they were. And all they did was all they accomplished was to make both sides their enemy. Uh, and their judges. And so uh, this was the, the state that they were in. They'd fallen asleep in it. They'd hardened their heart. They'd been in it for a long time. And it's an easy thing, a place for us to fall into, a, a life of compromise and, and uh, not fully, you know, walking with the Lord the way He calls us to. And, and uh, it always leads to trouble. And so when He, he likens uh, Israel and Judah's uh, their political alliances with, with the pagan nations around them and uh, in looking to them as the solution to their problems and, rather than God. And uh, so when he speaks of her lovers here in the imagery of the, uh, of the chapter, he's talking about her political allies. And so this is the form. He gives kind of a, 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 what he describes here in, in uh, language that's used here is language that we would understand to be, uh, you know, the hurt and the degradation involved in a, a physical kind of uh, adultery. And, uh, but it is, it is uh, something that we could all understand if we've never uh, had a, any part in that, uh, then uh, it's something all of us could assume we would understand how, how awful it would be and uh, to put ourselves in those shoes and to realize that uh, there's more than one way to commit uh, spiritual adultery against the Lord, not only in the sins that are committed, but in who we trust in, in life and uh, who we make uh, the foundation of our life when, when in the, in the solution to our problems when push really comes to, to shove. He said, Son of man, there were two women. 
They were the daughters of, of one mother. So they have a, a common origin, both of these uh, sisters, uh, these two daughters. They're raised in a, a common kind of instruction and background. And they committed harlotry uh, in Egypt. And so uh, they're the harlotry of Israel in, in the northern and southern kingdom went all the way back to Egypt. It is, it's a harlotry that they kept uh, the, this double life that they lived. It was something that they kept secret. They tried to minimize. They tried to control. They tried to, uh, you know, have this life and then go to the temple and the tabernacle and, and, uh, and all and make it appear as if they were something different. And this has been going on all the way from the time that uh, the nation was uh, being birthed in Egypt. You remember they were in uh, that uh, Jacob and, uh, went into uh, with his family, a numbering 70, 72, as they went into uh, to Egypt. They went in as kind of a large-sized clan, and they came out a nation of between two and three um, million people. And so they're the daughters of one mother. They committed harlotry in Egypt, and they committed harlotry in their youth. Their breasts uh, were there embraced. Their virgin bosom uh, was there pressed. In other words, the intimacy that belonged to God alone, they gave to, uh, to these uh, two others. And then th their names are uh, uh, Ahola, the elder, as we'll see in a moment, that speaks of the northern kingdom of Israel and specifically Samaria, which was the, ca the capital of the southern kingdom of uh, of. Uh, of Israel when it broke off from Judah uh, following the death of Solomon and, uh, and uh, Jeroboam became the, the leader of the northern kingdom. And, uh, and so Ahola was the elder and then uh, her sister was Aholaba. Uh, uh, there we go. All right. And uh, they are mine and they bore sons and daughters as for their names, Samaria is Ahola, and uh, Jerusalem is Aholabah. Now, Ahola, the name that God assigns to Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom of, of Israel, uh, it, uh, the, 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 it means literally uh, her tent. And it uh, evidently refers to the fact that when Jeroboam uh, established, it was given the ten of the twelve tribes of Israel uh, to break off in judgment of Solomon's idolatry, that then he set up an entirely different religious system because he was afraid that the Jews would go down to Jerusalem for the annual feasts and that uh, Judah would win them over and he would lose his kingdom. And so he established a system based upon idolatry, the worship of the golden calves and, and uh, in Dan and in Bethel. And, uh, and so God says, let's name her uh, uh, her tent. In other words, she's engaged in a religious system that is entirely of her making. It has nothing to do with me uh, at, at all. And the name Aholabah, uh, speaking of Jerusalem and Judah, uh, that name means my tent is in her. And it speaks of the fact that uh, God had determined that uh, he would, uh, that his meeting place with the Jewish people would be in Jerusalem uh, at the temple. And so there was a distinguishing between the two uh, in, in, in terms of uh, you know, spiritually what they made their focus, though they're both going, both of them are going to end up in, in uh, disaster, whatever their, their privilege is. 
Uh, Ahola played the harlot, uh, even though she was mine. And, uh, and, and so she had forgotten that, that uh, she belonged to the Lord. Everything that Israel uh, had, uh, they owed to the Lord, belonged to the Lord. And she lusted for her lovers. Uh, the neighboring Assyrians who were clothed in purple, captains and rulers, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding on horses. And so when you see the imagery, they're clothed in purple. Speaking of captains and rulers and horsemen, uh, it indicates that uh, it, it, the, the idea is that uh, the northern kingdom of Israel became attracted to Assyria, to as, uh, align with Assyria, uh, basically attracted by her political power and uh, attracted by, you know, the, the, the sheer kind of power that she had represented in these people in these offices and, uh, and kind of the pop and circumstance that is associated with it. And thus she committed her harlotry with them, again, uh, political and military alliances with Assyria, which she entered into, uh, spiritual harlotry in the eyes of the Lord, all of them choice men of Assyria, and all for whom she lusted. With all their idols, uh, she defiled herself. And so she, she aligned with them as a source, uh, the solution to her, her problems, and attracted to her power, and, and then ultimately, as we know a little bit about Israel's history, they then began to uh, adopt the, the gods of, of Assyria. And so with all uh, their idols, she defiled herself. And she was, has never given up her harlotry uh, brought from Egypt. For in her youth, they had lain with her, pressed her virgin bosom, and uh, poured out her, their uh, immorality upon her. And so again, God uh, makes manifest the fact that He had really never completely had their hearts despite all of the other appearances. And so, you know, when harlotry of this kind and, uh, and idolatry is, is within our hearts, it's only a matter of time before it increases, increases, and then, and then ultimately God has to ju judge us or He has to uh, chasten us. And therefore, I have given her into the hands of her lovers, uh, he gave her over to the life that she wanted. One of the uh, most corrective things that God can ever do to a person who is in a protracted state of rebellion against God, of spiritual adultery, is to simply say, all right, I'm out of here. Uh, you go get your fill of whatever it is that you're wanting to get your fill out of there. You think something's better than me in this world? Uh, go give it a try, and uh, you'll find out uh, in, entirely different. And there is no exception to that. Nobody violates that. Nobody goes down that path and ever comes to a different conclusion than, than Israel and Judah uh, did. Because there's nothing better happening in the whole world than the knowing God and uh, walking with Him. And there's certainly no safer place in, in all of life. And so I've delivered her into the hand of her lovers, into the hand of the Assyrians for whom she lusted. They uncovered her nakedness, took away her sons and daughters, and slew her with the sword. And she became a byword among women, and they executed judgment on her. And ultimately, the northern kingdom of Judah was taken and conquered by uh, the Assyrians. And here, here's how we're dumb is Christians. Here's how we're dumb as God's people. Historically, it's right in the Bible. And uh, they think that somehow as they're kind of dabbling with Assyria and then and, uh, taking on political alliances and that 
and uh, taking on their idols that somehow they're going to be accepted by uh, Assyria. They're going to be safe in that relationship with Assyria. They were no more safe in that relationship with Assyria than you and I are safe in a relationship with the devil through compromise. Uh, the moment he finds an opportunity that, that God moves back a little bit and now gives him room to chasten us for our own repentance, we find out uh, what people r really think of us. And uh, we discover that uh, there are no real friends uh, like the friend that we have uh, in the Lord. And then he moves on and he begins to speak here of the spiritual adultery of Aholiabba, uh, Jerusalem, the younger. And, and uh, now, although her sister, Aholiabba, saw all of this, she was a witness to all of this, she knew all about Israel's history, uh, she became even more corrupt uh, in her lust than her, her older sister, and in her harlotry more corrupt than her uh, uh, sister's uh, harlotry. And so uh, here she is, she does worse than her, her sister Ahola, uh, because she had witnessed all of the uh, uh, idolatry of the northern kingdom. She had watched the judgment that had come on them by the Assyrians, and then she followed her on the, on the same path of sin uh, herself. It is, it, the, in the, in the Bible doesn't really use the word uh, stupid. It does in some translations. Uh, in the old King James where, uh, um, where the word stupid really is, because it's really there in the Hebrew. It's not just the pastor saying, you know, in the Hebrew and, and like wowing you. Uh, but the word stupid is in, in the Old Testament and it is heavily represented uh, in the book of Proverbs. Only in the Old King James, it was translated brutish. Uh, you know, so we can't call somebody stupid, but we can call them brutish because they don't know we've just called them stupid. Uh, this is how it works within, within our culture. And, and, uh, but it is plain brutish and uh, just plain stupid of us and, and, a, and not in a way to be unduly um, offensive related to it, but it, it, it really is. If we do not look at other people who have traveled the path in life that we are considering to enter in on, uh, there's a way that seems right, the Bible says, uh, to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And the key in the decision-making of our life is to look at the path that we are choosing to put ourselves on and look at another human being that's a year down that path, or 10 years down that path, or 50 years down that path, and especially when that path is to choose idolatry or to choose some other source or to lean upon other than God and see how that works out for people uh, before we go on that path as well. And all Judah had to do was just look and say, there is no way we are turning to Assyria, much less adding the Babylonians to this whole mess. We already saw what happened to Samaria you know, uh, count me experienced. I am not going to go down that path. And that's not what they did at all. I mean, they, they just did not learn at all. And, and, uh, and, and, and then the absolute folly of somehow thinking, and it's an awful self-deception, and it's prevalent, is to somehow believe I can get on a path 
that curses every other human being on the path, but somehow I'll get on the path and walk it, and it won't have the same consequences for me. I'm special. Everywhere in the United States, they tell me how special I am, and, uh, and, and it, it won't happen to me. I'm the exception. I've got my participation trophy right here, and, uh, and, and, and none of this is going to come uh, close to me, and, and yet they do exactly that. The fact of the matter is, is that all of life is teaching us in this regard if we'll just uh, receive its instructions. And I, I mean, and I, I speak to you and, and, uh, in here, uh, you know, tonight that, you know, you have a some semblance of innocence. And innocence is a wonderful thing in life, and it's an important thing to protect and to hold on to it as long as you can. Uh, the world will try and rob you of it uh, all by itself, but don't throw it away, don't you throw it away related to your life. And I, I have no intention of, of, of hurting anybody's heart that is, is walking with the Lord or, or right now and comes out of a life of of drug addiction or alcohol addiction or, or struggles with it or any of those kind of things. But, I mean, you look at the absolute destruction of the, the drug culture in the 1960s and 70s, and those were formative years uh, for me. And you would think after what the drug culture did and drugs did to so many human beings during those two decades, that for the next hundred years not a single person would touch a drug, that nobody would get near it within a ten-foot pole. And yet today, the drug addiction rates, the heroin addiction rates are higher, not even counting opioids, uh, which people can get hooked on in, the, in, in an innocent way. But these addiction rates are as high as they've ever been, as if we have never been here before in human history. And we cannot afford, certainly not as Christians, to be that stupid in the decision-making in our life. We must learn from God's Word and then learn from uh, what we see happening to people around us. Drugs, all, they had no appeal to me because, number one, my addiction was basketball at the time. And I didn't want anything that was, and, and God doesn't mind that addiction. Uh, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> he took that away from me the first year I became a Christian. Gave it back to me later, but once it wasn't an idol. And, uh, but, but the, 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 so we have these different things, but it, it scared me. Uh, I grew up, and my mother's maiden name is McKinney, and uh, a, a wonderful Irish woman. And, uh, but there was a saying in the McKinney side of the family is, the McKinneys can't handle alcohol. And uh, every time the McKinneys got uh, to drinking, it was never a pretty sight. And uh, so I only needed to hear that a couple of times to realize, and I could see my family as it was. I mean, uh, they couldn't uh, handle real life on any uh, stellar level uh, sober, uh, let alone getting addicted to alcohol or drugs. And so it all, the addictive element of drugs always terrified me. I never look down on anybody that gets, uh, got, uh, has gotten addicted uh, to it. They might not have had uh, the same fear that I had. I, I knew there any number of things could have taken me in that, in that way into complete bondage and, and, and have, have, have destroyed me. Uh, 
And, and, and Paul, speaking to a, a, a young minister, a young man who he cared a lot about, declared in, uh, uh, to him and, and to all of us in this regard, he said, flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He wrote to the church at Philippi, and he said, brethren, uh, join in following my example. There are plenty of good examples to follow in life. Uh, buy and download good Christian biography and study it and read it and, and make these people the heroes of, of your life and your example. And he went on and said, and note those uh, who so walk as, as you have us for a pattern. And the reason I kind of, uh, you know, camp on this uh, just a, a little bit is, is just because we... We, we don't live in a nation anymore that protects its citizens because there's too much money being made on drugs and on porn and all kinds of other things and free speech and all of these things. And there's a good side to free speech and freedoms that we have, and then there's a, a side that's taken advantage uh, of. And so there's very little protection of citizenry uh, today. But, I mean, if you read the newspapers at all, you realize uh, how uh, massive, how gigantic the tent cities have become uh, in the state of uh, California. I mean, you have uh, the homeless population living in tent cities in Los Angeles is 50,000. I mean, you, you, it used to be you'd have to fly into Bombay. And as you'd make the approach into Bombay, you would go over those slums that would go off and off and off for miles, and you would think, I'm so glad I live in the United States of America, that people uh, are living in that kind of a condition, and yet that condition has come uh, to us. And, and, all of, and, and, and what we have here is not a homeless situation at its core. That's a consequence of things. But what we have is a decision-making problem in people's lives. Uh, we have an addiction problem. That's, that's what's behind all of it, 90% of it. And the point to realize that, that our culture refuses to have absolutes in terms of right and wrong. And then what absolutes it does have in terms of right and wrong, it fails to enforce uh, those uh, laws or those absolutes. And so it becomes an, a, a, a free-for-all all around us. And then instead of confronting it and calling it what it really is as its core, it names it other things. So that you have to look out for yourself in this culture as a Christian. And you have to look and realize, I've got to make decisions that are Bible decisions. I can't trust anyone to protect me but, and to speak the truth to me except God and, 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 and uh, through His Word. I mean, what a stroke of brilliance in, uh, in California to have these massive tent cities that the overwhelming majority of the people that are living in them and committing the crime as a, res a result of it, all tied to drugs. And what do we do on top of it? We legalize marijuana. I mean, if you don't, you, you, we can't even understand the scope of the problems that are coming our way. But I say what I say tonight, uh, again, not to condemn those that have been in that place and, and God has made it a, a, a life lesson for you and, and it's in your rearview mirror and you're moving forward. God bless you. That's a wonderful thing. But, uh, but for the 
others to think about. We should be learning about life as it passes before us and uh, uh, people as, as they live their lives before us and, and uh, the consequences, whether for good or, or uh, whether for evil. And so she learned nothing from the northern kingdom. And that's a person that will not learn something from life in this regard is, is setting themselves up for their own destruction. And that's exactly what happened. And she even exceeded the sins of the northern kingdom. She lusted, sure, uh, uh, for the neighboring Assyrians, even as the northern kingdom did, and uh, the captains and the rulers, all of them clothed most gorgeously. Ah, this Christianity, it's so dull, it's so, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, even, so vanilla, all of that. Look what they're doing over in Assyria. Look at the fashions, the models, look at the excitement and, and uh, the, the clothing that they wear, the art that they have, and, and all of this. We're we're missing out walking with God, yes, until uh, it all destroys you. And captains and rulers and clothed most uh, gorgeously, horsemen riding on horses, all of them desirable young men. And then I, uh, then I saw that she was defiled, uh, but uh, both took uh, the same way. And so she followed her sister, but she increased her harlotry because she not only engaged in spiritual harlotry with Assyria, but then she began to engage with the, the Babylonians. And she looked at men portrayed on the wall, these great, you ever walk in these castles and things in Europe or in England or whatever, and they've got these gigantic, you know, murals and, and uh, portraits of these uh, uh, rulers and kings and people of, uh, of prominence. And, uh, you know, they're, they're quite impressive. And so they saw the images of the Chaldeans Chaldeans uh, portrayed in vermilion when they kind of traveled to Babylon and saw and said, what are we doing in Israel? I mean, this is, a, we got to bring that stuff back here. And uh, girded with belts around their waists, flowing turbans on uh, their heads, all of them looking like captains in the manner of the Babylonians of uh, Chaldea. And the land of their nativity, as soon as uh, her eyes saw them, she lusted for them and sent uh, messengers to them in Chaldea. Then the Babylonians came to her uh, into the bed of love, and they defiled her with their immorality. And and so she was defiled by them and alienated herself uh, uh, from uh, them. And uh, she revealed her harlotry, uncovered her nakedness, in, in, in other words, just opened everything up in, the, in this, uh, in trusting in, in terms of intimacy, Babylon, and, and intimacy that, uh, and a dependence that uh, should have belonged only to God. And then God said, as a result of this, I alienated myself from her. And again, this is the point where he said, all right, uh, you think it's such a burden knowing me. You think you're missing out on life, all of the excitement, all of the fashion, all of the, the sin and the, the idolatry of Babylon. You know, go for it. And uh, go have a great time, and I'll see you when you come back, because you'll find out it wasn't such a great time. And I alienated myself from her as I had alienated myself uh, from, uh, uh, from her uh, sister. And yet uh, she multiplied, uh, again speaking of her, her political and, and uh, military alliances with Babylon as well as Assyria, and yet she multiplied her harlotry in calling to remembrance the days of her youth. 
uh, when she played uh, the harlot in the land of Egypt. And, uh, and so now God begins to speak about, uh, against her spiritual adultery as the southern kingdom. As you uh, remember, uh, the kings were continually going to Egypt to try and, uh, and find uh, a way of protecting themselves now from Babylon who had turned against them. So they were willing to turn to anyone, a, 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 anyone and everyone, anything and everything except God. And... Uh, for he, uh, she lusted for her paramours there in Egypt, uh, whose flesh is like the flesh of donkeys and whose issue is like the issue of horses. And thus you called to remembrance uh, the lewdness of your youth when the Egyptians pressed your bosom because of your youthful breasts. And so uh, she gave herself to the, this spiritual adultery, uh, adultery uh, go, uh, going back to, uh, to Egypt, even though God had delivered her from that uh, so, uh, so long uh, before. And uh, therefore, and there is always a therefore to all of this, Aholabah, thus says uh, the Lord, you've done all that you've done, and, and uh, here's what I have to say about all of this. Therefore, I will stir up your lovers against you, uh, from whom you have alienated yourselves, and I will bring them against you from every side. You think these uh, people are your friends? You have no idea. Uh, they are your friends only because they await the day they can destroy you and loot you. And again, if anybody thought the Assyrians were rough and the Babylonians played rough, nobody plays as rough as the devil does at this game. And the Babylonians, all the Chaldeans, Pekod, Shoah, Koah, all of the Assyrians with them, all of them desirable young men, governors and rulers, captains, uh, men of renown, all of them riding on horses, all of these people that so impressed you and, and so wowed you, and they shall come against you with chariots, wagons, and war horses, with a horde of people, and they shall array against you buckler and shield and helmet all around. I will delegate judgment to them, and they shall judge you according to their judgments, and I will set my jealousy against you, and they shall deal furiously with you, and they shall remove your nose and your ears. Both the Assyrians and the Babylonians uh, did this uh, to their captives. They would uh, oftentimes cut off the nose and cut off the ears. They especially did uh, within those cultures, they would do it to someone, uh, even do it not just in battle, but do it to someone who had been caught in adultery uh, in, in order to make them unattractive to ever commit adultery with anyone ever again or to be with anyone ever again was the whole idea, the cruelty uh, of it. And, uh, and, and so here is, uh, is a result of their spiritual adultery. Uh, the Babylonians would come in and they would uh, mete out the price of adultery within their culture, physically, even upon the captives of, of Judah. And your rem remnant shall fall by the sword. They shall take your sons and your daughters, and your remnant shall be devoured by fire. They shall strip you of your clothes, take away all your beautiful jewelry. God and said, in, in other words, uh, everything that I have given you, uh, everything, uh, you're going to lose it to them. And everything that makes you attractive to them is what I have given you. Uh, this was one of the, the, one of the great things that was spoken 
to us by, I don't, can't remember who, uh, very early on in the Calvary Chapel uh, pastor's conferences that went on. Somebody got up, and we were all so young and, and all, and, and there's always a continual uh, warning to us as pastors to be careful of money, women, and pride uh, in terms of being disqualified uh, in, in our calling and in, in our office. And this one guy got up, and all I remember is that it's just still ringing within my ear. And, uh, and he said, uh, listen, gentlemen, you look at yourselves. Uh, if, he didn't use this language exactly, but he said, if any woman comes up to you and has goo-goo eyes for you and is coming on to you, it has nothing to do with you. It has entirely to do with what God has brought into your life. Uh, his presence in your life. And, and if you ever are foolish enough to think that she is attracted to anything other than that in you, and then you get involved in her, and then you lose uh, by grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit in your life what made you attractive to begin with, you're out of your mind if you think this is some long-term thing that you're involved in. You will lose immediately the thing that she felt uh, she was attracted to to begin with, and she'll leave you, and you'll be lost without your calling. And it's a good word for us today. Every single one of us is Christians. When these temptations come our way, you don't have to be a pastor related uh, to this to realize that what makes us so attractive is an innocence, is a purity, is a prosperity, is a godliness, is a morality that God has brought into our lives. But they don't know that. And, and they will come in and the devil will use people to try and tempt us into uh, throwing all of, uh, of, of that away. What made her attractive to all of these nations was what God had uh, given to her. And, uh, and, uh, and, and without God now, they would just strip her of it. And thus I will make you cease from your lewdness. Uh, and uh, when God says thus, it's a good word in verse 27 because he's been forced here. Uh, he, he, this is what it, 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 you are so deeply entrenched in your adultery, spiritual adultery, that this is what it, it, it takes, though I've been mourning you for uh, decades and even generations. And thus I will make you cease in this way from your lewdness and your harlotry, brought from the land of Egypt so that you will not lift your eyes uh, to them, nor remember uh, Egypt anymore. For thus says the Lord God, surely I will deliver you into the hand of those uh, you hate, into the hand of those from whom you uh, alienated yourself. They will deal hatefully with you and take away all you have worked for and leave you naked and bare. Uh, the nakedness of your harlotry shall be uncovered, both your lewdness and your harlotry. I will do these things to you because you have gone as a harlot after uh, the Gentiles because you have become defiled by their uh, idols. And so uh, the Lord is warning. And, uh, and in, in the, the, the uh, same way Jerusalem would just be, uh, with this judgment, be rendered uh, unattractive to any more political or military lovers or anyone peddling some kind uh, of, uh, of idolatry. 
And it's a funny thing how the thing about sin and the thing about idolatry is typically it begins small. We think we've got it under control, that we can manage it. And uh, it, 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 I, yes, sure, it has a disastrous end in everybody I've ever seen. But again, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm different. Uh, but it's even worse. Not, uh, it, sin will always have a disastrous end for every human being. Uh, but God himself will make sure it does in the child of God because we belong to him. And he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. I mean, you think about it, but he's jealous not in a carnal kind of jealousy, but a holy kind of jealousy. I don't know how many of you as men or women uh, in, in the room, married or unmarried, how many of you would think, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd put up with a husband that, or wife that was engaged in perpetual uh, uh, adultery. Wouldn't be any kind of a problem. But none of us would put up with that. None of us would put up with that. And yet, th this goofy thing that even is, is uh, the, a child of God can be deceived by it, as, as an entire nation was, that somehow what we would never put up with in another person, somehow we expect that God will put up with it uh, in our own lives. Uh, someone who is infinitely holier uh, than we are, and, and infinitely more deserving of loyalty and, and fidelity. So, the lies are uh, awful. Uh, you know, that, that uh, we can, how we can be uh, deceived, but uh, God loves us enough to, and loved Israel enough, He loves us enough to never allow us to be successful in sin. They say it every once in a while, but if any Christian, if, is if, if I think as a Christian that I can go back into the world and God will ever allow me to be successful in sin in the way that I was one time successful in whatever sin, I'm kidding myself. He will never, ever allow that uh, to happen. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. In other words, don't even bother. You're waste, you, we would be wasting uh, our time. And so, uh, verse 31, you have walked in the way of your sister, therefore I will put her cup in your hand. And again, the cup represents uh, judgment so often in the Old Testament. So her judgment will come upon you now. And thus says the Lord God, you shall drink of your sister's cup, uh, the deep and wide one. I mean, a lot of judgment came her way. And you shall be laughed to scorn and uh, held in derision. It contains much. And the, the judgment that, that uh, the northern kingdom received was not just the, the worst part of it was not the physical destruction and the death and the captivity. It was that they became a laughingstock to the entire uh, world. And God says, all of that is going to come your way because you've chosen their path. And you shall drink and drain it, and you shall break its shards and tear at your own breasts. This is a demonstration of anguish and, and despair in the judgment. For I have spoken, says the Lord, and therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have forgotten me and cast me behind your back, therefore you shall bear the penalty of your lewdness and your harlotry. And so here God puts his finger on where it all started where it all started. And where it all started was they had forgotten him and cast him behind their back. This is the importance of daily time with God and nurturing that relationship and staying close uh, to him. 
And uh, so that that relationship becomes more valuable to us than any sin that could ever be offered to us to where we would look at that relationship and say, I cannot survive without this relationship. So how could I ever put it in jeopardy for uh, anything? And the reason they ended up in bondage to these sins, and it's always the path that it goes, is they first began to play fast and loose with their relationship with the Lord. And it's only because that occurred that these sins began to be introduced uh, into their uh, life. And, uh, in, and it's a good, a good warning for us um, as, as well. And then in verse 36, the Lord said to me, uh, he said, Son of man, will you judge Ahola and uh, Aholabah? Uh, then declare to them their abominations, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. And, and uh, so here is a spiritual adultery specifically, but uh, a physical adultery was rampant within the nation. Uh, the, the killing of innocent people, uh, both of those were capital crimes uh, under the law of Moses, and they were guilty of them uh, to the whatever degree, the nth degree. And, uh, and uh, so judgment was, needed to come their way righteously from God. And they have committed adultery uh, with their idols and even sacrificed their sons whom they bore to me, passing them through the fire uh, to devour them. They were offering their children as uh, uh, sacrifices to their gods. And so the, the spiritual adultery, the adultery, the bloodshed, uh, the, the human sacrifice, and moreover, they have done uh, this to me. They have defiled my sanctuary on the same day and profaned my Sabbaths. For after they had slain their children for their idols, imagine that, going to a service in the worship of Molech and tumbling your child down into a fire and offer alive, into a fire, a pit of fire, and, uh, and then the, 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 the seared conscience that then allows you to do that and then walk to the temple and worship the true and the living God or uh, think you are and convince you're a-okay on things. I, uh, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing to grieve the Holy Spirit and to quench the Holy Spirit. What we can convince ourselves uh, of. Again, this hybrid Christianity that somehow uh, is going to be acceptable to God. And after they had slain their children for their idols the same day they came into my sanctuary, then to profane it, not with a sacrifice, but with their very presence in it in the light of who they were. And indeed, thus they have done in the midst of my house. And furthermore, you sent for uh, men to come from afar to whom a messenger was sent, and there they came, and you washed yourself for them, you painted your eyes, and adorned yourself with uh, ornaments, and you sat on a stately couch with a table prepared before it, on which you had set my incense and my oil. The sound of a carefree multitude was with her, and the uh, Sabians were brought from the wilderness with men of the common sort who put bracelets on their wrists and uh, beautiful crowns on their heads. And then 
I said concerning her who had grown old in adulteries? Will they commit harlotry with her now, speaking of the nations, and she with them? And yet they went into her, as men go into a woman who plays the harlot, and thus they went into Ahola and Aholabah, the lewd women. And so uh, the only thing I guess worse than uh, kind of being a harlot in, in this way or a prostitute is to be an old prostitute. And uh, God's thought, I mean, all right, I mean, you've been at this for a long time, the price that you've paid to live this life, and yet uh, still, I mean, now the Babylonians and the Assyrians are knocking on your doors, but you're so addicted to this uh, kind of, a, of attention and, and, uh, and the divided heart that now the, the Sabians are coming and, and just the common sort. You'll commit a, a spiritual adultery uh, with anyone and everyone uh, now. It's just speaking to the, the degradation and, and uh, the degraded life that this uh, will lead any person into if we, if we give it a chance. The, the, again, the deception of it. But righteous men will judge them, uh, the, those that are in this uh, adultery, and the righteous men refer to nations that God would use to judge uh, Judah, and they will uh, judge them after the manner of adultery, adulteresses, and after the manner of women who shed blood, because they are adulteresses, and blood is on their hands. For thus says the Lord God, bring up an assembly against them and give them up to trouble and plunder. The assembly shall stone them with stones and execute them with their swords, and they shall slay their sons and their daughters and burn their houses with fire, speaking of the destruction of Judah and, uh, and uh, Jerusalem. And thus I will cause lewdness to cease from the land. But it wasn't because God wanted to go to this degree to do it. It was because he was forced to. He warned and warned and warned, but this was the only way uh, that he could cleanse the land. And the land was his land. He gave them that land. It wasn't theirs to do with and fill it with, with the sin and idolatry that they, they filled it with. And God says, I, things have gone so far. This is what I'm going to need to do uh, to cleanse it, that all women might be taught not to practice your lewdness. They shall uh, repay you for your lewdness, and, uh, and, you, and you shall pay for your idolatrous sins. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So again, God will not allow us to be successful in uh, sin, and, and uh, uh, he, he will do whatever He has to in order to uh, make us, as, even as Christians, no matter how far a person goes into a backslide, uh, God will do whatever is necessary for us to finally come and realize that, uh, to know that I am, that He is the Lord uh, God. There is, our, our culture is, it seems to be fully convinced of the fact that it has very um, superficial, um, superficial view of freedom. And uh, people look at, you know, this Judeo-Christian heritage of the United States of America and how liberated we've become since the 1960s in large part from, you know, that morality and those definitions of right and wrong. And, uh, and that freedom is basically being freed from God's commandments. 
and being freed from uh, God's laws. That's the ultimate thing, is the, is, is the freedom to violate those commandments and violate those laws. The problem is, is that violating those laws and those commandments is called sin. And the freedom to choose, as our culture believes, our culture believes that the freedom to choose what sin I'm going to put myself in bondage to do into is freedom. That's the highest view of freedom within, within our culture. And to realize that is not freedom at all. The freest life that a human being can live in this world and the light of the fall of Adam and Eve in that Garden of Eden is to live the Christian life. There is nothing that approaches it in terms of freedom. If you value freedom, if you want freedom, uh, these ideas of what is free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm a, you guys are all stuck in those thou shalts and thou shalt nots, and you look right below the surface and you see bondage, or the potential of terrible, uh, terrible bondage. And so it is as we, we uh, see it uh, uh, here. I'll head into uh, chapter uh, No, I won't. I won't. I'll stop right there in chapter 24. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling very good about myself for the restraint I've shown, uh, looking and realizing I have 12 minutes, including a closing song, as it relates to this, and knowing what's in chapter 24. And I've gotten into chapter 24 if you weren't such slow listeners, and, uh, but I won't hold that against you. So let's have the worship team uh, come forward and let's stand together and, and we'll close in prayer. But before we do that, if 